I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live! Mister, will you please wake up? Tying run at second, two out, Palmero over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges throws out, and the White Sox have won the World Series. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Go! The Bulls win! The Bulls under center. Brett gives Aaron up the middle. The Wildcats win! The Wildcats win! We'll see a pickup sometime on the right side, possibly. Montana. Looking, looking. Throwing in the end zone. This is Snowman in the Morning. It is indeed the latest edition, the latest and the greatest edition of Snowman in the Morning, coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina. Man, got a lot on the docket for the next 120 minutes, so stick around as we take you all over the sports world and give you the hottest of the hot takes and the coldest of the cold hard facts. Chris Dietz will join me later on for the uh, College Football Express. And Clark Monroe will join me from uh, Saskatchewan up in Canada to talk. Yes, it happened. Hockey is back. But I'm not alone this morning because to help me open up shot, I have Cole Johnson on the hotline with me. One of my partners who has come on a lot and he's the man in charge of Cole Sports and Cole Sports on the Daily and the Cole Johnson Show. Good morning, sir. Great to have you. Uh, good to be uh, here, Mr. Snow. Uh, I hope, uh, hope it's going to be a good one. I have you opening the show with me. It's already a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, I <laughs> listen, I've had people tell me for years that I need a partner on, on the show, and I just think of how Stephen A. handled it, of how... Uh, Colin Cowherd handled it, and I'm thinking, okay, I can get by, but when I have a fellow like you that loves to talk sports and actually does his research and is a very dear friend of mine, I can't go wrong. I just can't go wrong. I love hearing that. Now, let's get things started, shall we? Let's lay out the, let's lay out the program because Cole and I are going to kick it off, and then you will hear... Uh, Clark Monroe joined me to talk some hockey. Then uh, Cole and I have a double take for you. And then, second hour, Chris Dietz and the College Football Express, among other things. Okay, man. So, I see a tweet last night, before I finally fell asleep, that said, Kyrie Irving intends to inform the Nets... That he's going to retire. The shocked responses. Dude. The shocked responses. That I saw. The res- well the responses I saw. Period. Everything from. Good riddance to bad rubbish. To. And I can't believe I'm going to say this. I actually heard. I actually saw responses that say. I stand with Kyrie. I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. My question to you is, didn't we call this last year? The blueprint was there. I, I mean, 
<laughs> when, when he decided to take off time to attend a family member's birthday party, not because of an injury, not not because he was he, he contracted COVID. No, he missed time and was MIA because he wanted to attend a family birthday party in the middle of the regular season. <laughs> Still in the midst of a pandemic. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, this dude really does not want to be in the game. And then before he did return to the team, he already hit it at the fact that, well, you know, I, you know, I'm thinking, do I really need basketball? I, I mean, I, basketball is cool, but I think it'd be good cool if I didn't play. So my thought was, all right. Uh, I think he may have to. I, I think the death may have to cut bait. And here we are. October 13, 2021, he threatens retirement because he really doesn't think the Nets will call his bluff. And I want the Nets to call his bluff. No, no. Let, 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 I want Kevin Durant, his boy, to call Kyrie's bluff. Yeah. I would love to see that happen. I want to see Kevin Durant go, okay, you want to do that? Fine. <laughs> I'll, 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 look, look, if, if any of you can relay this message to Kevin Durant out in New York, tell him that I, Cole Johnson, said, I want you, KD, to say to Kyrie, quote, retire, Negra, close, quote. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you being a big baby about this? I, I'm like, you're supposed to be a grown man. You're 30 years old. Why are you trying to get a stiff upper lip about something that you really should be concerned about? Upset <laughs> not that he's not that he's an anti-vaxxer, but he's upset that people have to have to be mandated to take the vaccine. <laughs> are you kidding me? Does this have anything to do with making the team that you're on better? No. <laughs> I live in North Carolina. And here in the capital here in the capital city, the Raleigh Durham area, they made it a mandate. Okay? To wear a face mm -hmm. mask inside a building. People here are like, okay, no problem. Even if you even if you're vaccinated. I mm -hmm. am vaccinated, but my wife gave me a special set of rules since I'm also battling pancreatic cancer, which, a quick update, we're calling for a December removal of the tumor instead of March. That's what I'm talking about. We're, we're, looking, at, we're looking at December. She's pulling for, my doctors originally said March, but she's pulling for December, so I'm getting it together and I'm pulling for it too. I'll talk about that at the end of the show, at the, at the end of the show, but... I have no problem with a mask. I got two of them on me. In case I forget where I put one of them. Folks, mm -hmm. it has happened, okay? I have forgotten. <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm turning 50 next summer. I have forgotten. <laughs> That's allowed. <laughs> I'm, I'm turning 50 next summer, okay? Look, but, I, I turn 49 next spring. I totally understand, dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> but why are you disobeying? Okay, put it in New York terms and California terms. Why are you disobeying? Here are the next two cuss words: a law, a law. <laughs> you all want to know why I call Kyrie Irving a rebel without a cause? Maybe <laughs> like this is why. <laughs> he, he was coming up with this cause that has no purpose, no rhyme, no reason, no rationale None. as to what he does for a living. None. None. <laughs> You were paid to dribble a basketball and hopefully for the net score 20 to 25 points a game. That is what you're supposed to do. Not be on this crusade saying, well, you know, the healthcare workers shouldn't have this mandate. That's not you. <laughs> you're, you're not Al Sharpton. You're not any of the senators or representatives of Washington. You're not any of the representatives that, that that's supposed to be a part of <laughs> advancing life in the New York area, you are an athlete. You have a platform where you can speak about these issues, but it shouldn't derail what you do for a living. It doesn't derail yeah. us and what we do for a living, but it derails him. Yeah. Yet, it seems to derail him for a living, and I really am begging, I'm pleading, I am praying. And it's not because I hate Kyrie, right. because I'm I actually like the guy. Right. It isn't because I. It isn't because I, I. I want to see something bad happen. No, it's because I'm seeing stupidity come from a guy who supposedly is smart, and he is making his own bed, and he's about to lay in it. <laughs> he's about to get thrown in it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm the like, bed that he's going to be thrown on is concrete. I, and I would. I'm like, you deserve this, fool, because of the stuff that this you're making. Is causing you to basically be away from a job that affords you, what, $25, $30 million a year? All because of a stance that I guarantee you in a few months there will be nothing. <laughs> because now it is next to nothing. Yep. That is what's so frustrating about this whole scenario. $25 to $30 million a year, and you're going to cough it up. A side note, none of which I believe he deserved, but I digress. <laughs> I, I talked about Kyrie yesterday, and I told the state of New York and the Brooklyn mess, good, send him packing. Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more. Look, now, I, 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 <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched the <laughs> I watched first day. Just, just to get a feel of, of what they're going to say about it. And I said to give Stephen A. Smith credit. He said a line that I fully agree with. And when he said, well, the Nets will be glad to give his behind away for a box of cookies. And I'll, cool. and I'll add to that, I'll add Stephen A.'s favorite snack for a bag of cheese doodles. <laughs> for a bag of... I don't look. If I, if if I was any of the if I was any of the Nets brass, and if I definitely was Steve Nash, I would say I don't give a crap, Kyrie. You gonna retire? 
we are either going to praise you or we're going to cut you. But either way, you're not going to don the white and the black. Blah, blah. Exactly. Because that, that team has capitulated to Kyrie long enough. Too much. To the point where it actually did hurt them last year. Yep. I mean, hurt them. But they, they actually had to deal with, not, with him not playing for half the season. And much of it wasn't because of an injury-related reason. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I wrote one of my final posts on Facebook. I said, New York has capitulated to Kyrie for far too long. And you, you know what some of the people came back with? They came back with, this is Kyrie's decision and I stand with him. You don't okay. stand to lose 25 to 30 million bucks, stupid. No, they don't. But, but hey, if you want to stand with them, stand with them. Exactly. You know, what? you know what? You know how much you earn with that stance? Zero. Not a thing. Not a penny. You earn with that stance? The same amount. So you can stand with them all you want. Mm-hmm. He is about to become a broke Negro. He's about to become unemployed really quick. He's about to become unemployed. And I mean fast. Yeah. He's very close to becoming the, where are they now? Kyrie Irving. What's up, stupid? I thought of that after 2017. When Steph broke his heart and his soul by drilling a three in his face while the Warriors were taking care of business at Oracle Arena. But he's doing this this crap, man, for something stupid. Very. That is what I have a really hard time wrapping my brain around. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong. I love athletes that have causes. I love athletes that have purpose. Absolutely. I, I want athletes to be more than about the sport. Mm-hmm. I'm good and cool with that. As, as am I. But when it, it affects what you do, that's not a cause anymore. That is a problem. That's an albatross. Yeah. Does the and name LeBron like, James come to mind? Forget you. <laughs> does the what name? about to say to him? Does the name LeBron James come to mind? And that name I promise school. Yeah, <laughs> you can name the albatross with him. <laughs> uh, I just named one that I promised school. Yeah. The school, uh, anything Black Lives Matter related, oh, God. Uh, voting, mm-hmm. stumpy for candidates. Uh, you named the albatross. He, he represented them. Not controlling but, his wife at a baseball game. Oh yeah, wife smoking weed. At a, at, a, at a baseball game. At a, I mean, at progressive. Any, anybody who watched the 2016 World Series saw that clip oh, loud God. and clear. Okay? Oh, Who Lordy. Who's smoking the law in a Cleveland press box? I'm like, I'm not, I mean, Cleveland VIP box. I mean, you, are you kidding me? Really? Okay. Yeah. Everybody saw that, and no one did anything about it. Didn't kick him out. Didn't kick her out. I saved well, that one. I don't even think they so much as had uh, 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 an Indian representative or a progressive, uh, progressive field representative walk over to him and say, "Yeah, can you even t- uh, can you even take this and take it and, and put it out?" None of that happened. Nothing. None of that. None of that happened. Her puff, puff, and pass. 
Yep. In that whole box. Yes. That whole box. Just let just let him probably too and her. Puff, mm-hmm. puff, and pass. Puff and pass. Which is why A, I'm glad I don't smoke, and B, I will never start the habit. Yeah, I'm glad I don't smoke. I will never I, I will never start the habit. Let's, Ooh, I'm glad I don't smoke too. Let's roll on here on this edition of Snowman in the Morning, kicking off your Thursday. College football is going to have a mess, <laughs> and the key and the key team that's going to be involved in the chaos. I'm going to have Chris Dietz on a little later. There are two key teams that could create all kinds of hell: Kentucky and Cincinnati. Well, Cincinnati already just created all sorts of chaos. I mean, all, all all you have to do is point to the game in South Bend. Yep. And that's pretty much that's pretty much right there. It's the monkey wrench because <laughs> that's a big fat monkey wrench. Yeah, because the co- all right, the college football playoff committee they are set <laughs> in having set teams that go. They they love Ohio State because they travel. They love mm-hmm. Alabama because they're big program. Yep. They're loving Clemson because they're the new kid on the block, although they have been not so much a new kid on the block, and they've had that distinction for five years. Right. So they already have their stalwart. So <laughs> if they have those three, they can give a crap who the fourth team is. Right? Exactly. So Alabama, well, they lost in College Station. Yep. Ohio State already has an L at the horseshoe against Oregon. Against Oregon. And Clemson ain't even ranked. So, <laughs> you now, you now have the committee scrambling to see, oh gosh, how can we stay safe? So, of course, losing to an unranked team, Alabama only dropped from number one to number five. <laughs> I will let you and others Discuss the hypocrisy with that. <laughs> We're going to do that after this. Let's have some fun and do that after this break. Okay? <laughs> because I just talked to Chris. He wants to come on for segment three to do the College Football Express. Why not? So the first hour will close with Chris Dietz, and then I'll move Clark Monroe to hour two when we have our potluck hour. But why not? Why not? Because you and I have been itching to discuss this for a while. That's our layout presented by David William uh, David Williams Flooring. Man, I'm speaking people's names and companies that are friends of mine, and I'm going to turn them all into sponsors. Want to sponsor the show? Then all you have to do is drop an email to snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. That's snowmaninthemorning at gmail.com. The hypocrisy of the college football playoff is next. Cole Johnson and the Snowman here on Snowman in the Morning on this Thursday. Back in a flash. Mister, how do you operate this Twitter thing or this Instagram thing or whatever the heck? You're supposed to know all this stuff. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Live from Raleigh, North Carolina, we continue on with this edition of Snowman in the Morning. Um, I have Chris Dietz on the way at the bottom of the hour to talk some college football. 
But let's get to a subject I've been wanting to talk about with my man Cole Johnson for a while. Tweet the show at official SIT Morn. Uh, tweet Cole Johnson at Cole underscore, underscore sports. That's Cole Sports with a Z. Now, who the hell made up this college football playoff system? I'll just start there and give you the floor. <laughs> I've always said that they created this system simply simply to draw up interest. And they thought it would be, you know, they actually thought this would, this would be pleasing to us as football fans. They, they say, oh, we can debate who is, the, who is worthy to be one of the final four because we couldn't do that with one of the final two. No. <laughs> who uh, who is worthy of one of the final four? And then they wanted to, and then wanted to handicap stuff a little bit, and say, you know, we will we will even give you Notre Dame a break. You don't have to go undefeated. You don't have to run the table. We'll even let you in if you lose only one game on your schedule. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, so you can see right there. And I mentioned early, I mentioned in the first uh, the, the first segment. The fact that they had a up and comer in Clemson, they have a blue blood in Ohio State. Yep. they have a big time program in Alabama mm-hmm. because they draw in the money and they draw in the viewership. They're happy to have those three represent and comprise of three of the four in the playoff. Yeah, and they're happy if they get a fourth member. It could be an SEC team. It could be Oklahoma. It could be Notre Dame. It basically is a revolving door of those three. That's it. And, and, and they're happy. They got their they got their six teams in the mix, and they really don't need to have anybody else. They got their six teams, and they that. also they got their six teams, and they also got their money. Yeah, no, they'll capitulate that if one part, if one team decides to enter the mix every now and then. You know, like LSU in two thousand nineteen. Yes, but they're entertaining. They're entertaining. Yeah, but, but for them to really make the money they want to make. They have the programs they want. Yeah. And so in the SEC, we have seen them have two teams to go at it in the national championship game. Just in this era. Yeah. We have. We have. It, it, it has been about, and you said it, it's been about money. Mm-hmm. You can give me the, well, you know, you have the children and then that children the young men. Right. You know, but but I will for the purposes talk like an NCAA person. You know, you heard these young student athletes, they they they're all about getting the book. They get in the books. They're all about scholastic uh, scholastic pride and scholastic success. <laughs> the best secondary, hogwash. It is hogwash. I will give you a perfect exa- I will give you a perfect example of a team from a Power 5 conference, aka the Big 10, that last year came within 12 minutes of blowing the college football playoff sideways. And that team was the Northwestern Wildcats. They had Ohio State on the ropes for three full periods. 
And good Man, look, they had Ohio State on the ropes for three full periods. I mean, I didn't even get a chance to watch the entire game because, you know, wife and I were house hunting at the time. But at the same time, she looked at me and said, is Northwestern playing today? I said, yeah. Pull up the score. They're going to the end of the third, 10-6 Northwestern. Mm-hmm. How many people would have been so upset had that score remained at the end of the contest? Ooh, damn. The entire state of Illinois, my home state, would have been celebrating. They were salivating for that. And I bring up that game, last year's Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis, Indiana, to make this point. Mm-hmm. Northwestern could have won the Big Ten Championship in mm-hmm. Indianapolis, could have beaten Ohio State at their own game. They were punishing them for three quarters. Had that score stayed... I'm willing to bet you they'd have foregone Northwestern and chose another team for that 14 playoff. Of course. They would have justified it by saying, besides Ohio State. Well, who Northwestern beat? Northwestern, the Northwestern um, uh, portfolio isn't impressive enough. It's not impressive. It wasn't, it wasn't as impressive as, say, like, I don't know, uh, Georgia or... Right. Or, or an Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I mean, let's give you these BS whack excuses for why a team just simply doesn't measure up to the ones that seem to make them the most money. If you go back, they nearly didn't put Northwestern in the Rose Bowl in 1996. After Northwestern, who only lost once and it was an out-of-conference game, went undefeated in the Big Ten, they beat Michigan, they beat Notre Dame, they beat Penn State that season. Of course, I'm talking about 1995. Yeah, they earned that trip. They earned that trip to Pasadena, California. Gary Barnett was the coach at the time. You know why Pat Fitzgerald, one of the best damn coaches in the nation, will never see a college football playoff? Here's your hypocrisy, because he does it right. Mm-hmm. Here is part of here is part of your hypocrisy, because he actually coaches his team. He loves his players. He was that way when he was a player for Gary Barnett at Northwestern. So if we go back a few years and look at Northwestern almost disrupting the college football playoff, not once but twice. Remember, they won the Big Ten West in 2018. Mm-hmm. and had to see Ohio State in Indianapolis. They damn near beat them last year. And they still would have foregone Northwestern. Yeah. Yeah. All because they just aren't the darling. And that's, that's the no fault of Northwestern. And they're not alone. There are many fools that have been the case. I, I came from Southwestern Conference country. Of course, oh. I know you fans are, are saying, Southwestern Conference, what are you talking about? The Southwestern Conference. Y'all, if you do your history research on the Southwest Conference, because Cole and I talk about this conference all the time. Go on, sir. There were, there were times when 
had teams that actually were about to approach college football playoff done. You know, a year where Texas Tech came close, a year where Baylor came close. Mm-hmm. But they were always they always come back to the one big excuse. What big wins do you have on your schedule? Yep. Yep. And that's the question they ask of all the teams that want to interrupt this SEC Invitational. Mm-hmm. Of all the teams that want to interrupt this SEC Invitational, what big win do you have on your schedule? Well, if you want to ask Cincinnati that question, and don't forget, folks, at the bottom of this hour, I'll have Chris Dietz and the College Football Express coming on. Well, if you want to ask Cincinnati that question, point to the victory at South Bend. But you know what it's going to take for Cincinnati? And I bet you Chris will repeat this. It will take for them to run the table and win their conference championship. The big oh, win oh. over Notre Dame? <laughs> bah. Oh, yeah. Especially if Notre Dame gets another loss. Yes. yes. That's exactly what happens. They have to, I'll, 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 take, I'll take a step further. They have to run the table, win their conference, win their conference championship. And you're going to have to actually, I, I, I don't want to say this, but I really believe it. Just to really make things as if they're going to be there, they're going to have to have one or two of those big-time SEC schools lose the game. Well, they already have one. Yep. They may need to have Georgia lose the game. Just so we can say, well, we definitely will belong there. Because I can see them going through, running the table, and still getting cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is unfair to them because they're now the number three ranked team in the country. Yep. But that is how they do things. Yeah, that is how they do things. I'll take it back even before the college football playoff. I want to tell you a team that got hosed twice that ran the table during the regular season. Do the Boise State Broncos mean anything to you? Oh, man. The, the prime example of what big win you have on your schedule. And then, and then when they actually say, oh, so that's how we play this game? Okay, well, we will schedule the big boys. We'll even go to the big boys' backyard yep. and beat them. Mm-hmm. They went to SEC country. They wanted no parts of Boise State. No. Georgia definitely didn't want any parts of Boise State. I'm like, oh, that is foul. A team that is worth your time, worth your while, that actually is good, and actually can give you an L if you really, if you really want it. But you don't want it because you want a directional school to pour you a million dollars, you pour them a million dollars, so that you can have a 66-3 final score. Yep. Yep. Get out of here. I'll give you another one. Let's go back to the Southwest Conference, a former Southwest Conference member that was also undefeated and played Boise State in one of the greatest bowl games I've ever seen. TCU. They've had some hard luck the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's that's the point. It's It's the same thing. TCU has doggone it. They've Boise State has had bad luck. Northwestern has had bad luck. TCU has had bad luck. And I'm almost afraid, I'm almost afraid to see something happen to Cincinnati. I'm almost afraid to see something happen to two teams, Cincinnati and Georgia. Why am I afraid of that? 
because it could open the door for Kentucky and a four-team SEC playoff. Oh, I, I don't think that will happen considering that Kentucky has to go between the hedges. Yeah, yeah, they got to go. They got to go between the hedges this weekend. But if the unthinkable does happen, you will see what probably will result. We will because. What upsets me about Alabama not going, losing to an unranked team, I don't care if they play the SEC or not. Losing to an unranked team, you only drop them four spots. That definitely tells me that you want them in the final four. Yep. yep. Because you don't think Iowa's going to be undefeated the rest of the way. You don't think Cincinnati's going to be undefeated the rest of the way. And if Georgia's undefeated the rest of the way, so be it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're, they're waiting. They, they're wanting an SEC title game of Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. They want Alabama mm-hmm. and Georgia. Now, Georgia's mm-hmm. playing lights out, okay? Yeah. Now, let's take nothing away from the student athletes and the coaches that are putting these teams on the field ready to play each and every week. Hey, no, Georgia's the best defense in college football. Yes. Not yes. even a question. Georgia is playing lights out. Bad boy. Yeah. Okay. One of my favorite SEC teams is the Georgia Bulldogs. Mm -hmm. I love the Bulldogs. Okay. And I just still wish Larry Munson was alive to call their games, although he retired before he passed away. Rest in peace, Larry Munson. What a legendary voice. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's all right. It is all right. But it just doesn't seem right or doesn't seem fair i'll give you another example you know a team in the acc that could bust the playoff bracket that could bust the college football playoff if they have if they have the nerve to put them in there wake forest but you already know you already know the issue there oh yeah oh yeah and it's for me it's four simple words wake forest ain't clemson Right. Their name is always established yet. And they say, okay, so you got these 12 wins or 13 wins. But one of them was one of them a a highly ranked team or uh, or was one of the noted game or was was a strong or weak year for the ACC. Just weak buffer excuses that the basketball playoff committee will give us give a program that right. deserves a shot in the national championship just just a bunch of BS to close the door on. Yep. And I'm hoping to cover the ACC championship if it involves Wake Forest this year down in uh, down in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping and I'm praying to cover the ACC championship. If I'm healthy enough, I will cover that championship game. Uh, talking mm-hmm. college football with my man Cole Johnson, a.k.a. Cole Sports, on this Thursday edition of Snowman in the Morning. A couple more points before we go to a break, and I bring in Chris Deeds. Actually, one, actually one more point, and it goes back to something I, something I said earlier. It goes back to something we had proven earlier. We knew when this playoff was constructed, and you were one of the first people to bring it to me, that it's an SEC bias. Mississippi State in 2014 
mm-hmm. were the top team in that bracket. Nobody mm-hmm. gave a damn about Ohio State because everyone wanted to see Dak Prescott pull the upset. Right. Everybody wanted to see Dak Prescott pull the upset. Hell, both Mississippi teams were in the top four. Mm-hmm. Mississippi and Mississippi State. This is 2014. Yeah. Both teams were in the top four. Mississippi State loses to Mississippi. Mississippi loses out of conference. And there you go. Here's Ohio State. And both, yeah, both of them get bounced. And the blue blood they love goes in, in their head. Yes. One loss and all. They yep. Will, yeah. That's how it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. In fact, for me, 2015 is, 2015 is the only year I think they got it right with Ohio State and Oregon. Everybody was looking for um, Alabama and Ohio State. They wind up playing in the semifinal game. Mm-hmm. Hell, they were even looking for Alabama and Florida State. All right? But then Oregon put a foot in Florida State's ass. And then there's Ezekiel Elliott. I don't have to tell you what he did that game. Yeah. I don't have to tell you what he did that game. I think he's still running for it, you know. He's still running through the Superdome, through Alabama's defense. He's oh, still man. running through Alabama's defense. Seriously. Uh, folks, what are your thoughts on the, college, on the college football playoff? Is there a lot of hypocrisy involved? Because that's what a lot of folks are telling me. And after Cole and I studied it and talked about it this morning, I am very much inclined to agree. Hell, I, I was inclined to agree a long time ago when they created the thing. Should have started mm-hmm. at eight teams and not just four. And now they want to expand. Let's hit this point before we go to break. Now they want to expand okay. to twelve. Yeah. But you want to me, go from four. You want to go from four to twelve and speed up the progression of something that should have started with eight anyway. See, to me, I think that's where they wanted to go. And I said when they were like five years into the fourteen. Yep. I said, watch. Eventually, they're going to go to sixteen because they're going to have the issue when they're going to have teams. And, and, and there was a time when Ohio State did not make it to one of those uh, one of those college football playoffs. Yep, they're gonna have the, they're gonna have those years where they're gonna be cry, one of these programs gonna cry and whimper, saying, "Well, we have a resume that's better or as good as the four that's there, and we should be there." <laughs> those teams crying and whimpering and contention that you're gonna say, "You know what? We're gonna open the field to more." Of you. So I said, what? It's going to be, it's going to progress to 8th and the 16th. They said, they got to 12. I'm like, okay. So they're now 12. It's going to be 16 eventually. You know, within two years after they expanded to 12, whenever that happens, it's going to go to 16. They're mm-hmm. going to take progression out of the equation, and they want to bring in teams that travel well. Yes. They want to bring in teams mm-hmm. that travel well. Dude, that's exactly how I'm thinking. The team that trouble well get the bid. Penn State, Iowa. Yes. Penn, uh, Penn State, Iowa, anybody in the SEC, Kentucky included. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, okay. Kentucky included. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing music. My wife's pointing at me to go to a break. Let's go to a break. Chris Dietz is next, and then Cole and I will kick off hour two of Snowman in the Morning. The College Football Express is next. This is Snowman in the Morning.
Swan on this edition of Snowman in the Morning and didn't get a chance to get him last week because I was very ill, but I have him this week to talk some college football. And that is Chris Dietz as we hop aboard the College Football Express. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Snowman. And what a week it was. What a <laughs> last weekend. Man, the the the, the poll, we're in chaos right now. We are in full blooded chaos mode, don't you agree? We're get we're getting there. We're getting there. So what has but, to what has to happen for full blown chaos mode? What has to happen for us to get our Christmas gift for college football? Well, I mean everybody everybody think everybody thinks it's chaos because Alabama lost. Mm-hmm. And Anytime Alabama loses, everybody thinks, oh, it's chaos. It, it, it's going to throw everything in. The reality of the situation is even though Texas A&M beat Alabama, Texas A&M still has two losses in the conference. So Alabama is still – they still hold their own destiny to get to the SEC championship. Right. And – if that happens, if Alabama wins the SEC championship, they're going to the playoff. So this is just so, a speed bump and not a, a, a chasm like everybody wants to think it is. Yeah, so everybody wants to think, oh, my God, because as we know, the first bowl rankings came out and Alabama wasn't wasn't in them. But when they when they play in the SEC championship game, they have a shot to play themselves back in. So it's it's like you said, it's a speed bump. It's not it's not a it, it's not it's not a uh, it's not a spike strip. It's just a speed bump. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree that it's just a speed bump. Great game though, um, down at Texas A and M, as I mentioned uh, yesterday or the day before rather, that A uh, and M won it in a walk off, forty one to thirty eight. So. Alabama aside, what do we need? What needs to happen before we can get full blown chaos? Well, right now, right now, our situation is working because right now we we need Cincinnati to just run the table. All right. Does that and include the championship game? That includes the that includes the AA championship. That that includes all of the to get. Cincinnati in is is what is what the chaos is. I agree with that, and I want to see it happen. I want to I want to see it happen. I want to see Cincinnati run the table, win the conference, and then play their way into the playoff. The best player in college football is a running back from Georgia, but he wears black and yellow, and that's running back Tyler Goodson. Boy, did he have, did he show out on Saturday! Absolutely, and the the proof of him being the best player is if you watched that game, which I watched the entire game, and if you watch them the first three drives, Iowa didn't get anything going. And remember, they got an interception at the ten yard line mm-hmm. and couldn't move the ball at all. After those first three drives, they decided. Hey, wait, we have Tyler Goodson, and they started giving him the ball, and he was getting eight, nine yards of clip on a defense that was 
that was absolutely shutting them down until they started giving Tyler Goodson the football in in multiple ways. They didn't just hand him the ball. They would throw it to him in the flat. They would throw it to him in the swings. So they, they, they figured it out that, hey, we have this kid. We need to get him the ball. Yeah, and Tyler Goodson was the difference in Iowa's 23-20 win over Penn State. Does this end it for Penn State? Penn State, it does not, it doesn't end anything for Penn State because they still have Michigan on the schedule. They still have Michigan State. They still have Ohio State. So Penn State still has, they still have ways to get back in and to mention if they run through all of them if they run through that gauntlet presumably they get a, a, re, a rebound shot at Iowa in the Big Ten title game Christy, so, go ahead but they have to they have to run all they have to run all of that gamut it makes things a lot tougher Chris Dietz joining me here as we have this edition of the College Football Express. Go to snowmaninthemorning.com slash the express to follow along with uh, past episodes. You won't see one from last week because I mentioned I was very ill, but uh, we, are we are bouncing back this week. We talked about the speed bump that is Texas A&M on Alabama's way, on Alabama's way to the SEC championship. Presumably, it'll be Alabama and Georgia, Okay. But let's get to our game of the week. And you selected Kentucky at Georgia, and I can see every reason why you would select that game. Kentucky and Georgia. If there is a trap game to keep Georgia out of Atlanta, this is the one. Absolutely. Plus, plus the fact that Georgia has Florida next week. You know, and, and Kentucky is not a team that Georgia can look past. And it's it's very interesting because it's it's the number one team against another, another top ten team, and Georgia's favored by twenty points. That's how good Georgia is right now. Yeah, yeah, they're playing some they're they're playing some great ball right now. But like you said, partner, you can't look past Kentucky. That would be a critical mistake if they did that. Plus, plus. K Kentucky has the added bonus of of a Connecticut player playing quarterback, Will Levis. Right. Will Levis is doing wonderful things for Kentucky right now. That that he is, and the Wildcats are right there in the thick of it. Should Georgia lose to Kentucky, then what? Then all hell breaks loose because if Kentucky pulls off the upset, they've already beaten Florida. They would already have a win over Georgia. Now they have a win over Georgia. All they have to do is ride the season out. Even if even if they finish with, even if they end up losing a game somewhere down the road, mm -hmm. they it would still come down to tiebreakers between the two between Georgia and Florida. They've already beaten both those. Ooh, lot rides on the line for Kentucky. Will it be enough to get them in the playoffs should they beat Florida? Uh, excuse me, should they beat Georgia? Should they beat if they if they beat Georgia, it's not a it's not a guarantee to get them in the playoffs, but they would have they would have to go into that SEC championship game undefeated. 
Understood. We all know that if they go in undefeated, if their only loss is the SEC championship game to Alabama, you can't keep them out. No, you can't. Because, again, they would have wins over Georgia, Florida, LSU. All of, all of those teams are going to be better than most of the other teams. And that's where the chaos theory comes in. Because if you look at a team like Oklahoma, Oklahoma is it, Oklahoma is presumably in the playoff right now. Mm-hmm. But why? What game on their schedule, tell, what game that they've played already tells you Oklahoma's a playoff team? Well, you know what, they, you know what game they're going to pick? Last Saturday versus Texas. That's the game they're going to pick. That was a game they were down by 20 points in the fourth quarter. Yep. I yep. Mean, you, you want to point to me a game that show that says, all right, Oklahoma's a playoff team. There isn't one on their schedule. No, there isn't. Texas and Texas and Texas has Oklahoma State this weekend. Mm-hmm. If Texas gets beat by them, then we're going to look at it and go, well, Texas was ranked when they played Oklahoma, right. but they're not anymore. Mm-hmm. So Oklahoma, Oklahoma is going to be way out, way out of out of a big spot. Now they do have obviously Bedlam. Bedlam will be the the test game for them. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't come till the, the last week of the season, right? And by then, and, you, we would expect everything to pretty much be decided. And meanwhile, meanwhile, you've got meanwhile you've got our beloved Cincinnati Bearcats out there, who they really don't have a test for the rest of the season, right? Right, and that that's absolutely right. And would they host the AAC championship should they run the table? I don't know. I, I I'm not sure how the A, AAC does. I I, don't, I think it's in Jacksonville. Or no, it's in Char. I I believe it's in Charlotte. Mm. That would be that would be interesting. Let's go Cincinnati. Let's go Cincinnati. Their game is in a neutral site. Yeah. Let's go Cincinnati. See them run the table. And get into the and get into the playoff. Time now for our top ten, the College Football Express top ten. Chris Dees presents it every week. Here we go. Let's start at number ten. Number ten. I have the. I have. Now I have to preface. I have to preface the top ten with. I, I just talked about it with Oklahoma. I just talked about it. What I look at is your resume up to this point. I don't look at. Where you were preseason, where you where you're headed, what games you have coming up. I look at and who's beating you, and that that's why I have Ohio State at ten. All right, let's continue on. The Express rolls to number nine. A, the undefeated, and it, it'll it'll make everybody in Ann Arbor happy. I have the undefeated Michigan Wolverine. I can see that. I can see that they're playing. They're, they're playing well. Want to see Jim Harbaugh actually end the season on a good note? We move on to number eight. Number eight. We're staying in the Big Ten and we're staying in Michigan. The the I have I have Sparty. Sparty's 
on that why they're ahead of the other three is a they're undefeated, but b their out of conference win over Miami gives them gives them the edge, and I have them at eight. Yes, that works. Number seven. Number seven. I have I have the we just talked about them. I have Will Levis and the Kentucky Wildcats. We just talked about them. Their resume's right there, and they got a big one against Georgia coming up this weekend at number six. Number six, even though they lost to Stanford, which the loss to Stanford was absolutely insane. Um, but I have I have Oregon because because of that win at Ohio State, I put them at to the top five. We go and we start with number five. We talked about them to start, and that that this is why they're right in the hunt. I, I have Alabama still at number five. Same here. Same here. Number four. Oklahoma, I have Oklahoma. We talked about them. You can't take them out, but they haven't really done anything to hold their spot. That's why they're that's why they're at four right now. All right, headed to the top three. I think I know who number three is. Do we see Bearcats there? I have I have Cincinnati and what Desmond Ritter is doing you can't deny it you got you got to you got to keep them you got to keep them in in the hunt right now and the fact that Desmond Ritter is a girl dad just like I am that <laughs> that turn that got me about him then watching him play solves everything else all right number 2 the Iowa Hawkeyes number 2 the Iowa Hawkeyes absolutely and again Tyler Goodson that no one expected Iowa to be where they are right now, and they're there because this kid is so good. And at the top spot, we have the ghost of Larry Munson, the current voice Scott Howard, and the Georgia Bulldogs. We do, we do have Georgia, but as we say on the Fifth Down Sports Show, and we 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 coined the phrase, and we we have we say it every year. At some point, Georgia will be Georgia. <laughs> we said it the last we said it since 2018 when they lost on a second and 26 in their backyard. Those are, that's our top 10 in the midst of the uh, Snowman in the Morning College Football Express. You can catch this segment every week. We'll have the game of the week, our top 10, and the best topics about college football that we'll talk about. Catch the Fifth Down Sports Show each and every week, and you can catch a replay thereof on SDM Sportsnet in one in uh, three weeks' time. Want to be sure I got that right? Three weeks' time, we will start replaying the uh, Fifth Down Sports Show on SDM Sportsnet. Got a few other things on the table as well. Christie's joins me every week to talk college football. Always a pleasure to have you, my friend. I appreciate the okay. time. And even though we said one game. You know there's going to be many more, many more curveballs as as we go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, there is, there is. Thank you, Chris. I love you, buddy. Thanks for the time. Thank you, man. Chris Deese joins me every week to talk college football, and you know how much fun this is. It's it's fun doing the. It's fun doing this. It's fun talking college football. I got uh, someone that I'm that that's uh, very reliable in uh, doing college football with me. So this works. This absolutely works for me. Let's take a break. And when we come back, there's a whole lot of other stuff that I have for you 
on this edition of Snowman in the Morning. Stick around, folks. Keep your ears where they are at. Snowman in the Morning, back in a flash. Follow the show all over social media by typing in the ID official SIT Morn. That's official SIT Morn. Cole Johnson, Brian Snow here as we start our two. And with the NHL being back in motion, the NHL being back on ESPN, there's one thing that angers me. Seattle can get a hockey team but can't get a basketball team back. So we're talking about the area that is so rabid about basketball. Yes. And that's for the NBA. So rabid about basketball. They have posted the Final Four multiple times. At the good old kingdom. Not talking about a regional. The Final Four. Yeah. They have posted, posted the women's and the men multiple times. So we're yep. talking about a basketball crazy area. And you're going to tell me the only basketball, only professional basketball the Daniel Oklahoma area has is a WNBA team? Really? Really? Uh, and that's the only basketball you, you have? So, so you mean to tell me an NBA team wouldn't do well in Seattle? You can miss me with that boy. Because you already know from history that they do, mm-hmm. and you also know from history that they will do whatever it can, whatever it takes to get a team back there. I hate but politics have, and sports. Right, thank you. They they have they have people who seem to own this own these teams, and they want to play politics, and then they want to they want to bully whomever they can to either get get the sweetheart deal they want there or get a sweetheart or leverage the city to get a sweetheart deal elsewhere yep. what happened when they moved over in the city. And that is highly frustrating. My question is, why didn't the NBA step in like they did for New Orleans and lend them a hand? Because it wasn't as though the league was broke. It wasn't like the league was crying for broke. They knew. They mm-hmm. knew. The Sonics belong in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And they needed whatever it could to keep them in the Pacific Northwest. But they figured, oh, well, they'll get a stadium deal done there. You know, they'll be fine. No problem. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the vote. To get them out of Seattle, just all of a sudden snuck up on them. Yep. <laughs> That's what upsets me. I'm like, you, we fans saw this coming, but you all who are in, in, in the league, in the know, you couldn't see this, or you turn a blind eye to see it. I turned wow. a blind eye. That's my theory. They turned a blind eye. Now. There's a documentary on YouTube which I absolutely love called Sonic's Gate. 
And I have watched said documentary. You couldn't wait. Y'all couldn't wait one more day for the judge to read the results. And basically, when the chance of Hey Clay, No Way began, I knew that would be the end of the Sonics. I, I did too. And I hate that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they renovated what was once Seattle Center Coliseum mm-hmm. into Key Arena. Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me you couldn't put up a few more bucks from the NBA? To bring it to Mo- to to bring it to its to to bring it to scale. You mean to tell me David Stern couldn't step in? Think about this, and I'm just. I'm still angry, and it's now over a decade. Yeah. I'm sorry, y'all, but the city of Seattle got screwed. They deserve a team. They did not deserve the Super Science to move, and they deserve a team to be back there. And I think I think my, uh, my colleague and friend will agree with me about this next sentence. Whatever team gets there, they would be. They should be branded and named the Super Sonics. Period. Period. They should don the blue and yellow, the emerald green and the yellow, case closed. That team had a rich history. That team had a rabid fan base. That team seemed to have a community that was behind them, and all it took was a fool who. One who grew a franchise mm-hmm. to just simply say, forget all and forget all y'all. And, and, and Clay Bennett got in the bed with David Stern business wise when the Hornets mm-hmm. played in Oklahoma City. Here's the, yeah. And here's the mess of part about all of that. So when Clay Bennett gets the Sonics, he basically says to, to, to Stern, okay, yeah, I, I got I got that. The previous owner said, we're not going to move the team. Don't move the team. Well, we're not going to move the team. We're going to get a deal done. And he decides to look for a place where he knew, he knew the Seattle area would vote down where that stadium was going to be played. He, knew. he tactically played that card. I'm like, you gotta be joking. This was chess to you. This is chess, and you took, you took, you took the good people Seattle to Tacoma for playing checkers, and it's messed up. You, he, he proposed a stadium where he knew it was going to get shot down. Mm-hmm. And then he would take that result and say, "Look, look, David, I tried to tell them that I was going to put a stadium or put an arena in here." The, the previous owner had issues, and I'm having issues. There, it, it is it is it is unmanageable. We can't have a station here. We can't have an arena here. I can't make money here, but I know where I can make money. Mm-hmm. And you know. Mm-hmm. And then what? Two years later, bye bye Sonic's Hello Thunder. I mean, it's, 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 
Just seeing how that all unfolded just upsets me to this day. It still upsets me how all this played out. Because the first thing Clay Bennett did was gut the team and put Mm -hmm. a subpar basketball product on the floor. There was purpose to that. Yeah. There was purpose to him moving in that direction. There was purpose there. Yeah. So to bring it back to present time, the Seattle Kraken have made their debut. They haven't made their home debut yet, and I'm waiting for that night to see how loud that Loud House can get. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't prove that the Sonics need to return home and give Seattle a full four major teams, I don't know what does. Fifth, if you count the Seattle Storm. The Seattle Storm have been the winningest team in Seattle. Yeah. I mean that in terms of championships. Mm-hmm. And the NBA, the, NBA, the uh, NHL is back on ESPN. I saw... I'll put it in three words. I'm not impressed. I was once upon a time before, back in the late 90s. You're not impressed with ESPN's uh, coverage of the NHL? I'm not impressed with the coverage, nor am I impressed with the presentation. It it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like it did once upon a time before. I understand we're in a graphics intense, uh, uh, graphic intensive broadcast era. Lord knows I tried to use mine when I do when when I do video, and the reason I'm not doing video is because I don't feel right in doing it. I don't feel like it's ready. But that gummit. Take a little bit of old school with you and pull the 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 the, the tape um the feed from the bottom of the screen, will you? It ain't the same. The product's been off of ESPN far too long. Far too long. But the good news is they may have a Western rivalry with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken. I want to see the Kraken get better and just do what the Knights did in that first season, which is get all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. You had a thought. Go ahead. Well, yeah. I remember how ESPN used to cover uh, the NHL. It was, it, it was beautiful. Now, when I got onto hockey, I was in high school. And understand, I grew up in Houston. Unlike you, I grew up in Houston. I grew up in a, in a place where hockey really wasn't a sport that you followed. But I remember watching a conference semifinal, no, first round, I'm sorry, a first round game seven uh, matchup between the Capitals and the Islanders. And, went in, and, I, and I caught it at the first overtime. It went to the third overtime before the Islanders won in, in advance. And I was hooked. I was hooked because I got a chance to see action that was different. I was used to football, I was used to baseball. 
So with hockey, it was different, and I loved it. And I, lo- I loved the I-, I loved the whole presentation because it was simple. I loved the action on the uh, on on the ice because that was good. Yep. I loved the feel. That I loved. And when I saw the presentation go more and more toward the toward the realm of how Fox mm. used to do their, their football coverage, yep. the more I was pulled away from watching hockey because Same. I was like, yeah, I'm not I don't know if I can really follow it because it's more cartoonish to me. See, and I hate, hate mm. that. See, Fox has ruined two professional sports coverages for me. The NFL and the NHL. Anybody see the parallels on how they on, on how they did? What did Fox introduce in 1994? The Fox box. Mm-hmm. And it's just gone down the tubes from there. It's made it's made people not pay attention to watching the game. Right. Am I off on that assessment? No, not. <laughs> not at all, because that's me. It's made people not pay attention. Flash the score once, pull it away. Mm-hmm. You want to see it again? Watch until the next break. If that's a get-off-my-lawn tank, oh well. I'm fine Be- with it. Because <laughs> now... I, I, I'll say it again, that we are in a graphic-intense broadcast era. I get that. But for once, can you just, like, flash the score up and then take it away? I mean, when the Blackhawks started showing games on Sports Vision in 1990, they would do that. They would flash the score once and pull it away. Home games. Let me make a correction. Home games. Because they were already doing the Royal Games. Mm-hmm. Now we're in an era where you have the score on the screen all the time and all you have to do is peek in, take a look, and then go back out. What? It's taken fans away from it's taken fans away from the game. It has. Mm-hmm. It's taken fans away from the game. And I'm going to go ahead and say something ahead of Clark Monroe coming on because he's due next. That it's not only taking fans away from the game, except the real rabbit hockey fans, of which I am one, and I know several. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, one's going to be going to be uh, next after this segment here. It's dumbed everything down. Hard. It's dumbed everything down. It's it's dumb. It, it has dumbed everything down. And now ESPN is trying to use this as a cash cow. No one thought I would ever say that. Well, yeah. No one thought I would ever say that. And I'm, uh, dude, they're hemorrhaging money with the NBA and the NFL. That tell you anything? Well, yeah, hemorrhaging money the NBA, NFL, and their talent. Yep. So they got to find money somewhere. And the NHL seems to be that cash cow they're trying to bring in. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, if they're willing to drive down it and test the waters, more power to them. Well, they tested the waters last night. Mm-hmm. They tested the waters last night. I don't know how it's going to wind up. But I guess, to be fair, have to give them another shot. First time NHL's been on ESPN in seven years. Hell, longer than that, I think. Hey, at least, uh, I I guess at least that's progress. Yeah, that's a start. Mm -hmm. That's a start. We'll see how how everything plays out. Clark Monroe is next, and then Cole and I will wrap it up. From Raleigh, North Carolina, and from Tennessee, this is Snowman in the Morning. Back in a flash. Thursday edition thereof continues. Hockey is back. And so is our coverage of the NHL. But I have a very special gentleman riding shotgun with me to kick off our 2021-22 coverage of the NHL. This is Clark Monroe, and he joins me now from Saskatchewan. What's up, Clark? Great to have you back. Yeah, thank you for having me back, Brian. I've been looking forward to getting back on here and chatting hockey with you. It's a rainy and almost snowy day up here, so I'm, I'm indoors. <laughs> I'm, I'm huddled up in front of a fireplace, and I'm good to go. Let's talk hockey. Let's do it, man. The Seattle Kraken have been released, and they damn near beat the Golden Knights. <laughs> that game, yes. was, that, yeah, that, that game was crazy. Yeah, it looked like early on the big brother Vegas Golden Knights are going to take it to their little brother Seattle Kraken, and kind of crush them early on and it was three nothing and the Kraken showed that they they aren't going to be a team that just goes away easy and they came back and made it real close and uh, my boy Chandler Stevenson he's a former Regina Pat up here in Saskatchewan he, he scored the game winner for the Knights and um, again I think the Knights are going to be a real strong team but Seattle showed that they're not just going to be a team that rolls over with a little pressure so Good to see that out of them, and uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how their, the rest of their season kind of plays out because uh, it's going to be a real interesting one to watch. I'm looking forward to seeing it, too. With what I saw last night, is there a little bit of a potential to Seattle to repeat what Las Vegas did when Vegas came into the league? Uh, there, there, there is a potential. I mean, it could very well happen. There's a lot of good quality players on that team, and I think the Kraken management staff did a pretty solid job putting them together. I think they missed out. On at least from some fan perspective, they missed out on some players that might have been really big uh, impact type of guys. For example, out of St. Louis, they passed on Vladimir Tarasenko, the Russian sniper who could have came in uh, and potentially been one of their best players. But uh, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes, and I think Seattle did a lot of due diligence on certain players and didn't want certain players. So they they have the team that they want right now. That's one thing I will give them credit for. And, uh, there's a lot of guys that I would I would put on my team in a heartbeat. So I want to see how they mesh together throughout the year. Because with Vegas, what we saw uh, back four or five years ago now was just this magical group that came together, and nobody wanted them, and they had this big chip on their shoulder, and nobody had seen them play together before ever. 
uh, and they came together and worked extremely well, and some guys performed better than they ever had in their career. So there's going to be a lot. There's going to need to be a lot of that with Seattle for the same thing to happen. Uh, and I think teams are on notice now. They're not just going to let the expansion team come in and surprise them anymore. So uh, I think Vegas may be going a little bit of a good, the, the big end of the stick, if you will. And I think Seattle has an uphill climb to be anywhere close to what Vegas did. Yeah, that could be a budding rivalry also out in the West with the Kraken and the Golden Knights. The Pacific Northwest and the, and the desert, that could be a lot of fun um, over the years. Let's look at the uh, first game they played on uh, Tuesday night, the Pittsburgh Penguins beat the defending Stanley Cup champions 6-2 to two in the Ice House and six goals against Tampa Bay. I never thought I'd see that. Well, yeah, not only that, Brian, but <laughs> Pittsburgh was missing Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, literally their two best players. Uh, and I think Tampa might have had some issues with COVID potentially as well. So it was, a, it was an injury-riddled game for both teams, and Everyone was thinking Tampa Bay was still going to come in and just roll over the Penguins because obviously missing the two best players, but also uh, just they, they're a team that a lot of people might be writing off early. Uh, but at the same time, Pittsburgh's been such a solid quality team for so many years. It's going to be hard to knock them off their pedestal, and I think Tampa Bay learned that lesson early. Uh, and we're going to see. Tampa Bay has had a lot of changes in the offseason. They're not the same team that they were. Uh, they still have a large chunk of what they... What they won with the last two years, there's still a lot of guys there, but they lost some really important pieces to that team as well. So uh, that's going to be a major storyline all year long is playing Tampa Bay repeat for a third time, uh, even though they lost a big, important piece of what they have been lately. Always tough to get three. Just ask the teams in whatever professional sport you look at that have three-peated, and they can tell you how tough it is going to be. Clark Mamuro joining me from Regina, Saskatchewan, as we talk NHL. And I want you to peek into your crystal ball and tell me, what do you see from my beloved Chicago Blackhawks? Well, Brian, the Blackhawks, I think they had one of the more fascinating offseasons. Uh, not only for what they brought in, but also what they sent out. They were able to send out Duncan Keith's contract, a guy who has obviously been there and was one of the best players in franchise history, uh, but he's on the back nine of his career. He might be on the back three. Uh, and uh, he, he got shipped out to Edmonton for, for Caleb Jones, and they also brought in Caleb's older brother, Seth Jones, uh, to kind of rejuvenate their blue line. Uh, they brought in Tyler Johnson from the aforementioned Tampa Bay Lightning. He's won two cups. Uh, and he's currently playing on the first line with Patrick Kane, so that's an interesting one. Can Tyler Johnson get back to what he was once in his career, which was a nice offensive producer? Uh, and they also brought in, uh, they brought back, I should say, Captain Sirius, Jonathan Taves. And anytime you put Jonathan Taves back in your lineup, I don't care if he was out a year last year, I don't care if he had health issues. If you put Jonathan Taves back in your lineup, you're, you're going to be a contender. So I love what Chicago did this offseason, and I want to see how... Again, they, there's a lot of moving parts there. They brought in Mark Andre Fleury, of course, who just won the Vesna, uh, the, which is the goalie of the year, of course. Uh, but so like, there's a lot of positives there, a lot of optimism, and I would not be surprised if they're near the top of the Central Division uh, when the season is over. I wouldn't be surprised that either. Just the return of Jonathan Taves alone, and plus, the, they lose Corey Crawford. They had uh, goaltending problems all throughout last year, so you bring in the reigning Vesna winner and Mark Andre Fleury to solve that. But getting back to Jonathan Taves, doesn't it feel good to say Taves is in the lineup for the Blackhawks? And we know how much of a difference Patrick Kane makes, but 
to have Taves and Kane back on the ice together, big difference for the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, it's huge. Um, Taves, again, he's one of those guys, and he, he's a winner. He's like Sidney Crosby. If, as long as you have a Crosby in your lineup, and no matter how old he's going to be getting soon, uh, you have a chance to win. Taves is one of those guys who makes such a huge difference on the team just because of his demeanor and his experience and the way he goes about doing his business on a daily basis. Uh, so to bring him back into a lineup after he was just not around all year last year, again, it's just it's a massive change. And um, he's already getting, you know, brought into the conversation and, and up here in Canada where, of course, Olympics crazy. Uh, so he's already getting brought into the conversation. You know, is he going to be uh, considered for Team Canada at the Olympics? Because he's been there a few times before. Uh, he's won with Team Canada a lot in the past. Uh, and is he going to be healthy enough or back to what he used to be enough? Uh, and he'll probably be probably etched right into that opening day lineup for Team Canada. I would not be surprised at all. I wouldn't be surprised at that either. And I know Taze is just happy to get back to playing hockey. I would think he would play for Team Canada, but for me, that would also be a tough call because I see both sides of the coin. He was out last year, didn't play at all, and then this year he's itching to get back, itching to um, get back with Kane and, and company. But him just playing hockey, that's got to be a thrill for him. Yeah, that's. I think I don't think the Olympics are necessarily his goal. However, if you if you asked him, he probably would say, you know, he probably would tell you that he's like, I'm not worried about that right now. But uh, deep down, I think there's probably a sense of um, of pride that he would be able to get back and play for his country. And it, it, the, the hardest part with that is, Brian, is that Team Canada probably has three teams worth of good players that could probably yes. make that Olympic team. And he's up against a lot of competition because there's, boy, there's going to be some really good hockey players that do not make that team. Uh, so that'll be an interesting debate uh, as we go on this season. And definitely a storyline I'm going to be paying attention to because Jonathan Taves, uh, in terms of Canadian hockey, he's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, uh, Taves is one of my favorites of all time. I've been a Blackhawk fan since 1989, and he's one of the ones that really, really stuck out for me. The team that got me interested yeah. in hockey, the Edmonton Oilers. Why? Wayne Gretzky, Ooh. one of the, the, the dynasty yep. Oilers. Okay, the Oilers just made you just just made you watch. Let's take a look at our Eastern Conference. Take a look at our Eastern Conference preview. Next time I have them on, we'll do the West. Let's look at the Atlantic Division. Who comes out of that Atlantic Division? It's such a mess at the top, and it's also a mess at the bottom. And the Atlantic Division, to me, out of all four divisions in the NHL, to me, the Atlantic is most the most split division in terms of. Uh, high-end and then low-end teams, and I see that right in the middle with four and four. The top end is is filled with Boston, uh, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Toronto. Those are the four teams. In some order, you're going to see those at the top, and then Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo are going to be in the bottom, and I feel like there's going to be quite a divide between fourth and fifth place, if that makes sense, um, compared to some of the other divisions across the league where I think there's going to be six or seven teams potentially in battling at the end of the year for a playoff spot. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to say, I've been saying it for a little while now, it's hard to say anybody else than Tampa Bay at the very top of that division just because of who they are and who they've been for the last couple of years. And until somebody knocks them off, I just I can't go... I can't. My brain just won't let me put anybody else than Tampa Bay at the top of the division. <laughs> um, uh, a lot. 
I, I'm a Leafs fan. I'm literally wearing Leafs gear top to bottom today as they play the first game tonight. So if we were on video today, you'd see me donned in blue and white with the <laughs> Leafs logo. But um, I am, I'm having a hard time just because I, I've been burnt so many times that uh, even though I think they've had a nice offseason and I don't mind their roster right now, I'm going to put them somewhere in the middle, maybe on the bottom end of that top four. Uh, Boston's made some big changes, and Florida has made some big changes, but for different reasons. I think Florida has added a ton this offseason, some real big firepower. Uh, and they're getting some guys back from injuries from last year. Uh, Aaron Eckblad comes to mind. He's their big defenseman. Uh, and they, they brought in Sam Reinhardt from the Buffalo Sabres as their kind of key offseason addition. So they, they've made some big moves, and they were already real good last year. They were fourth-best team in the league in terms of points last year. A lot of people forget that. Uh, but And then you got Boston, and I think they've they've made some interesting moves, but I don't know if it's for the best. They lost their starting goaltender, Tuka Rask, who's a star. Um, he might come back at some point this season. We're not sure of that. His injury status is really interesting. Uh, and David Krejci, who's been kind of their star second-line center for a decade-plus, is, is decided to Maybe call it quits, but we're not sure because I just saw a tweet earlier today uh, that said there the door is still open for him to return if he wants. He's out his home country back in Slovakia, I believe it is, or Czech Republic. I can't remember which one he is, uh, but he's out there. He's playing in his hometown, and he's kind of just hanging out with his family. Uh, he's been through a lot in the last couple of years, so um, I'll be I'll be interested to see with Boston. Can they be the Boston Bruins that? They've been for years, uh, or are they going to regress a little bit? So we'll have to see how that plays out. But I have it in some way, those top four teams, it's going to be a mix. Uh, it's going to be a battle, and we'll just kind of see how it plays out. But, um, I, again, Tampa Bay to me, until somebody knocks them out, they're still at the top. That's how I look at it also, being told to go to a break. So what will happen over the next three weeks? We'll preview the divisions and get you caught up on the teams as well. Taking a little idea from there, preview Palooza. If you haven't checked them out, check out the Squadcast as well as my as well as my buddies at the Rob Peterson Show. Check out both shows. They're fantastic. I've been on both. They are absolutely fun to talk sports with and fun to be around. That's Clark Monroe dropping a little hockey knowledge for you. Next week, we will preview the Metropolitan Division in the Eastern Conference. And as I mentioned, we'll took, uh, also get you updated on our look at the teams in each of the divisions. Thanks a lot, Clark. I appreciate the time, my friend. I love you. Thanks for coming. Can't wait to chat again, Brian. Clark Monroe joining me here on the program to talk hockey. And, yes, hockey is back. Hockey is fun. And hockey is something you need to look at. At least I do. I really feel, I really feel that way. But we'll see how the season progresses. Oh, man, that was fun. That was fun. Coming up on a break, uh, we are we are at a break. In fact, I'm, in fact, I'm a little behind on a break. So when we come back, got some more stuff for you. Stick around. Some man in the morning, back in a flash. Final points before we wrap it up 
here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Cole Johnson with me. Follow him at Cole underscore sports with a Z. That's Cole underscore sports with a Z. You can follow the show at official SIT Morn. All right. Let's bring our extra points out. Let's play our extra points right now. Don't forget Thursday night football tonight. Chargers and Ravens. And that's an 8-15 kickoff from Baltimore. Yeesh. That could be an AFC championship preview, but I'll save the rest of the football talk for tomorrow. Mike DeBate will also join me tomorrow as we make our picks for week number six. Didn't get a chance to do it last week. As I mentioned, I was very ill. But back at it today. Now, we, we spoke of this and how bad social media has taken into the realm of sports. I'm going to let you lead off with that extra point because <laughs> you've been great in talking about it. <laughs> yeah, where, where, where do you want to on that? You know, when, when you have people who think that that they know more than anybody else because they have the 10 fingers to type on the keyboard, or if they even lazier, they just press the microphone uh, prompt on their phone and speak the words. <laughs> that automatically makes them the forefront authority on on whatever they're talking about. <laughs> and you can, and it's so sad that it's not even an effort to see the holes in their arguments. Nope. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh and, and, yeah. And I mean, you, I mean, I mean, you see some ridiculous stuff. Things such as after Sunday's game, Sunday night's game uh, between the uh, football game between the Bills and the Chiefs. Um, <laughs> good Lord, I, to call them a fan would be an insult. But this <laughs> had the nerve to say, well, Mahomes is close to getting cut. What? Someone actually said that? I wish I was joking. I wish I was lying to you. I wish that this was just a game I was playing with. I wish this was April Fool. But no, it's October 13th. He said, well, Mahomes is close to being cut. Close quote. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm either talking about some fancy football, but I don't think you are in this instance. And sometimes answers like that deserve me, a means or a gift. <laughs> and so I gave him the family feud X. Um, <laughs> I didn't type literature. I didn't say you are to mine. I just typed surveys. <laughs> because sometimes... When you see ridiculous crap on social media, that is what they deserve. All right. Here's my final, here's my extra point for the day in that same realm. I saw a picture of a pyramid. And the pyramid was titled Greatest Dunkers Ever. Okay. You know who was at the top of that pyramid? And I have nothing against this gentleman. I've loved watching him play for 22 years. But why'd you put Vince Carter up there? (laughs) 
Vince Carter was at the top of the pyramid. I wish I was joking when I said that. I wish I was kidding around. Okay. Now, maybe that's a little bias on my part. Because Julia Serving and Michael Jordan did it for me. Along with Dominique Wilkins. I could see Vince being tier two or tier three. But you know who was on tier three that doesn't belong there at all? Take a guess. Tier three. Jordan. Uh, Jordan was tier two. He was tier two? They put somebody up there. They put somebody up there that hadn't even participated in a dunk contest. LeBron, Larry Moon, James. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really? <laughs> I think, I thought, who made this up? I said Vince is a great dunker, but not the greatest dunker. You know what the response was? Do you even watch basketball? Yeah. I've forgotten more than you watched. I mean, what was what was the line you always said to me to keep me motivated? We were through with it before they knew what to do with it? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. We were through with it when it comes to sports talk before these fools coming up today using their keyboard and not their microphones and their natural thinking and, and their natural thinking ability, their critical thinking ability. We were through with it before they knew what to do with it. Yeah. Period. We're going to have more on this. We got to get out of here. Uh, Dr. K is telling me that we got to split. We're running out of time. Cole will join me tomorrow for the Football Friday edition. And I can't wait for a full football show with Cole Johnson. As much football as we know. Oh, boy. And plus, we got the picks tomorrow also. And Cole will be my guest picker on that. So we're going to do picks twice. Once with Cole and once with Mike DeBate. I'll review the Chargers and Ravens. And like I said earlier in the week, Lamar Jackson has made a liar out of me. I'll explain that tomorrow during Snowman's Take. Oh, man, great to have you back on the show, my friend. And great to have you riding shotgun with me. Ah, glad to be aboard. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, continued success with your fight with cancer, bro. I appreciate it, brother. I love you. Thanks for coming on. Love you, too. Till tomorrow, have a great day. God bless. Remember to make your next move your best move. And always remember, if your dreams don't scare you, then they are not big enough. Dream big, do bigger. I am, and I hope you all are, too. I'm out of here. I'll be back in Durham tomorrow. Out. <laughs>